Uh, Gracious Heavenly Father, please uh, give us ears to hear your word this day. Uh, May we uh, be those who truly tremble at your word. Uh, Give us the humility that we need. Uh, By the power of your spirit, we pray. Amen. Uh, So, uh, Ken's mentioned, throughout this summer, we've been looking at the subject of wisdom in the book of Proverbs. Uh, And as we've done that, I've been trying to kind of reiterate each week, I hope you've got this, that uh, in the Bible, wisdom uh, includes the idea of being good or or of being uh, moral, Uh, right? So, anything that is sinful is not wise, right? So, it includes the idea of being good and moral, uh, but wisdom is much more than that. Wisdom is about seeing God, seeing yourself, seeing God's world uh, so clearly, so sharply, if you like, uh, that you know what the right thing to do is in the vast majority of situations that you come across. Uh, Because the reality is that in the vast majority of situations that you face, uh, you're faced with a choice, not uh, between what's right and wrong, uh, but you're faced with a choice where quite a few of the options would be perfectly moral. But you could do this or you could do that and you wouldn't be breaking, breaking any rules. So the question is, uh, what is the wise decision? And what we uh, see throughout the book of Proverbs uh, is that we will be very unlikely to make wise decisions uh, if we don't discover and build true friendships. Good friendships, godly friendships. Because the path of wisdom is often a narrow one, it's a windy one, uh, it's sometimes a precarious one. You shouldn't travel it alone. You need true friends, friends who will stick by you on the journey. So that's what we're exploring today. We're going to see uh, three things, or four things overall. Uh, We're going to see uh, uh, the uniqueness of friendship. We're going to see how we can discover and build friendships. Uh, And we're going to see where we can find the strength to be true friends to one another. So first, uh, if you've got uh, that list of Proverbs open, that'll be really useful. Uh, They're on the inside of the Connect card if you haven't found them. Let's look at the uniqueness of friendship. Uh, Take a look at Proverbs 18, verse 24. It's the verse that Tim quoted uh, in the kids' talk. Uh, One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, Uh, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Uh, Perhaps this seems a little bit blunt, Uh, But I think we all know, deep down, uh, that there are different types of friends. This proverb acknowledges that. It says, if your life is full of unreliable friends, uh, fair-weather friends, uh, friends who are really just acquaintances or associates or people that you happen to be on Facebook with, uh, your life will soon come to ruin. Because those friends will just let you wander off the path of wisdom. What you need is not lots of acquaintances, but a friend, even one friend who'll stick close to you, even closer than one of your siblings, a brother or sister. That word sticks closer, it used to be translated in old translations of the Bible as cleave. I think Genesis 2 verse 24, it says that's, where, that's why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife. Right? He, he cleaves to his wife, he, he sticks close to his wife, so much so that they become inseparable, right? they're one flesh. Right? And Proverbs says that, that if we want to make wise decisions, that is the kind of friend that all of us need. A friend who'll cleave to us, who'll stick closer to us even than our siblings. And we've got to feel the weight of that, right? That, that this, uh, our wise teacher is saying this in a culture uh, that had a much higher value on family than our own. 
our own culture, right? It's much more family oriented. Uh, they valued family, they treasured uh, siblings. Uh, so, so why would he say uh, something that seems like it's saying uh, that a good friend can be even better than a sibling? I uh, will look at Proverbs 17, verse 17. It's there in the list, uh, they're in order down the page, I think. Proverbs 17, verse 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of, uh, of adversity. Now, I think we know this, a true friend, they love you at all times, right? through all the different seasons of your life, good times, hard times, regular times. Uh, they're there for you. That, that's what it means to be a friend. Uh, and the beauty is that your friend is there for you through all those times, uh, not because they feel obligated, but because they want to be. That's, that's the great thing about friends. They actually like you. They, they choose to be with you. They choose you. And that's the contrast really with the second half of the problem because probably if you're in adversity, your brother or sister will also be there for you. They care for you. They're, they're your brother or sister. All right, but they might not be there because they really like you. Because they're choosing to, right? It's just their duty as a sibling. That's what they were born for. Oh, that's different to a friend. A friend chooses you. They like you. They want to be with you. Oh, so friendships bring something really incredibly unique to our lives. Uh, something that our family, our neighbours, our colleagues, our community, uh, perhaps not even uh, our husband or wife is able to bring. I'll come back to that later on. But we've got to understand this because in our culture, as in pretty much every culture, uh, friendship tends to, to marginalise, uh, sorry, our culture tends to marginalise friendship, I should say. Right? It's kind of pushed to the margins. So in our culture, it's pretty much always romance uh, or sex that's at the centre. Those, those types of love uh, are at the centre. So I'll give you some examples. Uh, you tell me, uh, what is it that is more likely to go viral on social media? Right, on the one hand, it could be, uh, did you hear uh, who became friends with who? Right, on the other hand, it could be, did you hear who's now sleeping with who? Right, this is much more likely to go viral on social media, isn't it? Because our culture doesn't care uh, about friendship. Uh, we care about romance and sex. That's what's central. Uh, you see it in songs, right? If you were to put together two playlists... On this playlist, you put all your songs that are about romance and sex, that are they're kind of celebrating that. And on this playlist over here, you put all your songs that are real, really celebrations of friendship. That's what they're about. And there's going to be a whole lot more songs over here, isn't there? That, that's our culture. Romance and sex is central. Uh, same with TV. Right, I think it's ironic that, uh, that even one of the most popular shows of my generation, literally, it was called Friends. Right? It wasn't so much about the friendships themselves, like it was about that. Uh, more often it was about which friends were sleeping with one another. Like you couldn't just have pure friendship without sex. Uh, what about movies? Uh, perhaps it's because I'm rereading the books, uh, but uh, I could really only think of one uh, really blockbuster movie uh, that celebrates friendship. It's The Lord of the Rings. Many of you have probably read it. Like the, the friendships between the Fellowship of the Ring and particularly between Frodo and Sam, right? That, that ties together the whole story. I mean, you know, even then, 
Uh, Peter Jackson, who directed those movies, uh, when he got his hands on it, uh, he, he couldn't fight the tide of our culture. Uh, so what did he do? That, you know, uh, if you read the books, uh, you know that uh, there's a bit of romantic action in The Lord of the Rings, right? Aragorn and Arwen, Arwen like they're, they're, they're kind of hitting it off. Uh, but in the books, it's all in the appendices, right? Because for Tolkien, it's just not that important. And compared to the friendships, romance gets relegated. Right, but what does Peter Jackson do? He puts it much more central. It's a key part of the storyline, you see. Right, because in our culture, romance and sex are central. And friendships are marginalised by and large. And really that's what happens in most cultures. Right, perhaps some of you think, yes, you're right, Aaron. You know, you're right, we've got to get away from this progressive culture, this kind of highly sexualised culture. Let's get back to a a more traditional culture, more conservative. We need some wholesome family values, right? That's what we need. And that's good, like I'm all for the family. But in that culture, what was the central relationship? It was family. Friendships were still marginalised. Perhaps uh, you're you're here, you're kind of a closet socialist or a communist, right? Uh, Maybe you wear that badge proudly. You're not a closet one, right? Uh, But maybe we should give that a try. Right, but in those kind of uh, societies, uh, the central relationships are your civic relationships. Right? That's, what most, that's what, what's most important. Your relationships with your neighbours, with uh, your leaders, with the government. But I reckon you could pick pretty much every culture and friendship will be pushed to the edges, to the margins. Well, why is that? Uh, well, I read an essay during the week uh, by a guy named C.S. Lewis, Uh, He wrote a book called The Four Loves, and in it there's a chapter on friendship. And in the essay, he argues that that friendship will always be marginalised because out of these four different loves, uh, it really is the least necessary. So you think about it, uh, uh, without sexual love, romantic love, erotic love, uh, none of us would even exist. But it's clearly necessary for the species, right? So it gets time. And affection, like the love of parents for their children, that's necessary, right? Or else our families would be dysfunctional. Kids wouldn't have a safe place to, to grow up, to develop healthily. And our civic love, the love between neighbours, that's necessary if we want society to keep functioning effectively. But friendship, like you get to friendship and it just seems like a luxury, doesn't it? Where's the necessity there? Like, sure, if you've got time, some spare time, make time for some friends. But it's not necessary. You see, this is what happens in every culture. And in our culture, it's probably uh, even worse overall because people are working longer and longer hours and they've got less and less time and less and less energy for relationships. And there's lots of relationships you have to make time for. It's necessary, right? Your marriage, your children, your colleagues, perhaps, if you, if you want to work effectively together as a team. And once you've made time for all those relationships, who's got time for friendship? No one's got time for friendship anymore, do they? Oh, I know I struggle. It just kind of gets squeezed out. And yet Proverbs says, there's no way we'll be able to walk this path of wisdom and avoid ruin if we don't know the love of true friends. Friendship's that central. It's absolutely necessary. It brings something incredibly unique to our lives. And so the question is, if we need friends so much, if they're so unique, uh, where do we find them? 
You know, how, how do we discover these friends? Uh, well, we've already seen in, in that verse, Proverbs 18, verse 24, uh, that it's not hard to have lots of acquaintances. Like most of us are good at that. Uh, you know lots of people. Uh, you've got a whole lot more friends on Facebook uh, than you could ever uh, call in your life. Uh, you, you might even work closely with people uh, on a team. Uh, but really, they're not friends. Like if you had a hard day, would you call them up? Probably not. Right? And that's the point. Most of us have plenty of acquaintances or teammates or associates or colleagues, uh, but friends are just so rare. True friends. And so why is that? We'll take a look at that uh, proverb down uh, in chapter 27. Proverbs uh, chapter 27, verse 9. Uh, it says there, Perfume and incense uh, bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. Uh, perfume and incense uh, were luxuries in this culture. Right? They were only brought out on very special occasions, uh, occasions of, of immense joy. Uh, but what this proverb is saying is if you want real joy, uh, you've got to forget about perfume and incense. Right? In comparison, forget about perfume and incense. Uh, find yourself a true friend. A friend who will give you heartfelt advice. Right, and we're told here that that kind of friend is pleasant. Now, that, that word pleasant, it's actually a word for sweetness. It's kind of sugar. It was, it's often used to refer to honey in the Bible. And as I was pre- kind of preparing and, and uh, thinking about these proverbs, uh, I read something uh, about the fact that in this culture, uh, they didn't actually have sugar, like refined sugar, like we have. Uh, they, so, so, for example, if I get up in the morning and I have some porridge, as I do, and I want it to be sweet, I put some sugar into it. Right? Usually uh, uh, way too much, right? But these guys weren't able to do that. They didn't have refined sugar. They couldn't just manufacture sugar or create sweetness. They had to discover sweetness. It was a wonderful surprise. You know, you come along, you find a tree, it's got honey coming out of it, you eat a bit of it and you're... That's sweet. Like, that's what it was like. It's not like adding stuff in, right? So what does that tell us about the sweetness of a friend, the pleasantness of a friend? Oh, it tells us that you can't really create friends. You can't just manufacture them. You have to discover them. I recommend reading C.S. Lewis's essay. You can track it down. Uh, But he puts it like this. He says, uh, the typical way that a friendship begins is when one person says to another, what, you too? Or as we might say, no way. No way, right? I can't believe that that you also believe that or think that or love that. That, That's how friendships begin. It's this wonderful surprise. You're talking to someone and you discover this common interest and all of a sudden you're drawn together. And that's why friendships are so different. I said before that uh, about husband or wife and the uniqueness of friendship. Right? That's, this is why friendship is so different uh, to romantic love, uh, husband and wife. Right? Lewis says, uh, though we can certainly have erotic love and friendship love for the same person, in some ways nothing is less like a friendship than a love affair. And lovers are always talking to one another about their love. You know, this like the D&M about the relationship all the time. Right? Friends, on the other hand, hardly ever talk about their friendship. 
A lovers are normally face to face, absorbed in one another. Uh, but friends are side by side, absorbed in, in some common interest. My lovers, they're focused on each other. It's all about their relationship. Friends, they're focused on their shared interests, their passion, their conviction. That, that's what brings them together. And that's why you can't uh, simply go up to someone and say, will you be my friend? Well, that kind of works in grade one, you know, in the playground, like, will you be my friend? Uh, but not so much now, does it? Uh, Lewis says, this is why people who simply want friends uh, can never seem to make any. Because the very condition of having friends is that we should want something else besides friends. Where the truthful answer to the question, do you see the same truth as me? Do you love the same thing? Do you share the same conviction? Right? Where, where the truthful answer to that is that I see nothing and I don't care about the truth, I only want a friend. No friendship can arise because there would be nothing for the friendship to be about. Right? Well, we all want friends. I think we long for friends. But you can't just create them. You can't just kind of manufacture a friendship. You have to discover them like a wonderful surprise. And so be praying about this if you long for friends. Of course, once you discover a friendship, uh, you do have to build on it. Like, so there is a sense of building or creating from that initial moment. And, and Proverbs gives us four things. Uh, if you kind of summarise some of the different themes, uh, it gives us four things that you have to do uh, if you want to build a true friendship. Right? Here's the four. I haven't listed them in the Connect cards. So if you want them, we're going to work through them. Uh, but the four things are you need loyalty, uh, you need empathy, you need honesty, and you need advice. Right, it would have been nice to have another E for the fourth one. Uh, honest E, advice, doesn't quite fit, but it'll stand out for that reason. Okay, good. Uh, what about loyalty? Uh, let's see. Uh, we've already seen uh, in, uh, that a friend loves at all times. Uh, let's be clear, that doesn't mean uh, that they want to be with you all the time. Uh, we know that because Proverbs 25, verse 17 uh, says, Seldom set foot in your neighbour's house, I reckon it applies to friends too, uh, too much of you and they will hate you. Right? Like Proverbs is, is direct like this. It's really quite good. But, you know, like true friends are loyal. Uh, you, you know that your true friend is always available, uh, but they're not in your face. They don't smother you. They're not clingy. They don't overstay their welcome. That's part of being a true friend. That, that's what it means to be loyalty. They're there for you, but they're not in their face. And that idea of loyalty is also in Proverbs 18, verse 24. Isn't it? That proverb we've looked at it a couple of times. Because the contrast in that verse is that unreliable friends, those friends, in the end, uh, they, they tend to be friends that are around you for a particular purpose. Right? You're doing something together. You're working on a project together. And for that reason, they only really care about you while you're useful to them. Once you're not useful in some way, they'll move on. It's not malicious, necessarily, or sinister. It's just that's what the relationship's about. It's about doing something together. And so that friend, uh, the unreliable friend, really doesn't care if ruin is on the horizon, right? They're not that invested, they'll just cut and run, right? But a true friend uh, will not only tell you when ruin is on the horizon, when you're on a dangerous path, uh, they will stop you, they will protect you because they have your back no matter what. That's true friendship. They're there to help you, not to use you. 
Right? If you don't have that kind of loyalty in a relationship, it's really not a friendship. A second true friend show empathy. Uh, there's quite a few verses about this. Uh, Proverbs 26, verse 18. You see it there? It's a very funny verse. Uh, like a maniac shooting flaming arrows of death is one who deceives their neighbour and says, I was only joking. I, I don't know if any of you have experienced this, but if you have a friend uh, who uh, deceives you in some way and then you discover their deception uh, and they say, oh, sorry, I was only joking... And that friend doesn't have much empathy, do they? They really don't know you at all. They had no idea that their so-called joke wouldn't be funny to you. But it shows that they really don't know you very well. There's not much emotional understanding there. Right? And that kind of lack of empathy ruins relationships. That's the picture. It's like shooting a flaming arrow of death into your relationship. It's, not, it's quite destructive. Or Proverbs 27, verse 14. Uh, If anyone loudly blesses their neighbour early in the morning, uh, it will be taken as a curse. Right? If you don't know someone well enough to be sensitive to the fact that they might not be a morning person, that they like to go to bed early, that uh, they have just come off night shifts and so they might be tired... Uh, that they've got a young baby, so they might have had a, a, a rough night. Right? If, you're not, if you don't show empathy for that kind of stuff, there's no friendship. You just trample all over people. Or Proverbs 25, verse 20. This really is the clincher. Right? Uh, like one who takes away a garment on a cold day, or like vinegar poured on a wound, is one who sings uh, songs to a heavy heart. I think this person's completely out of touch. Right? You're there on a cold day, uh, and they think, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take away their coat. <laughs> you know, like, or, or you're there and you're, you're kind of deeply wounded and they think, look, I'm going to pour some vinegar on this. Or you're there and you're grieving or you're discouraged or you're depressed uh, and they decide to sing you some happy songs. Right? They're, they're completely disconnected. There's no understanding at all. There's no empathy. Uh, and there's no friendship. Right? If you're friends with someone, you, you, not only, you really not only notice when you're, they're joyful, uh, but you, you kind of feel their joy. You share it. You, you enter into it. If they're in pain, you feel their pain. Right? Because true friendship, it, it means taking the risk of opening yourself up to not only feeling emotions yourself, but to feeling the other person's emotions. Now, that's empathy. Uh, the third mark of, of friendship is honesty. Uh, Proverbs 27, verse 5. Better is an open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds for a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. You see the contrast here. True friends make their love clear to you. Right? And how is it clear? It's clear because they speak the truth to you. Right? They're honest with you, even if they have to give you a wounding rebuke. It's out there. There are other people, of course, who might claim to be your friend, but they hide their love. They hide it because they're not honest with you, right? They watch you making the same mistakes over and over again and they don't say anything. All they do is cover you with kisses. That's the picture here. And tell you just how wonderful you are. That is not a friend, Proverbs says. They are an enemy. A true friend is honest with you. 
likewise, Proverbs 29, verse 5, those who flatter their neighbours, once again, I think it applies to friendship, uh, are spreading nets for their feet. But remember, uh, wisdom, uh, a key part of wisdom is having a clear picture of yourself. Seeing yourself clearly. You're aware of your strengths, your weaknesses, your capacity. And that's why flattery is so destructive. Right? Because if you flatter someone, you're just telling them what they want to hear. You're not telling them the truth. And so over time, they end up with this completely distorted picture of themselves. They think, I can do this. I've got the strength to do that. I don't have those weaknesses. And what you're doing is spreading a net before them. And then one day they fall flat on their face and wonder, how did I ever get here? You see. Right? True friends, uh, friendship involves honesty. And finally, it involves advice. Uh, We saw in Proverbs uh, 27, verse 9, the pleasantness of one's friend springs from their heartfelt advice. So here it's pleasant advice. I'm sure you've had a conversation with a friend like this. Uh, You meet up with them, you share your story, they listen to you, they empathise with what's going on. And then they give you heartfelt advice. You feel like they care. They encourage you. They strengthen you. They, they reassure you. You feel like, okay, I can keep going. Uh, advice, of course, isn't always that pleasant, especially at first. Uh, that's why Proverbs 27, verse 17 is there. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Right, the picture here, if you, if you rub one piece of iron against another piece, uh, there'll be a whole lot of friction. Uh, but in the end, there'll be a, a much sharper edge. That's the result of it. And likewise, two friends who are meeting together, who are sharing with one another, who are teaching, rebuking, correcting one another, uh, sometimes they'll have hard conversations. There'll be some friction. Uh, but if that uh, friction is handled in a godly way, it'll lead them to be much sharper in their wisdom, much more able to, to navigate life effectively. So that's how you build a true friendship, if you like. Loyalty, empathy, honesty and advice. Or or as a a pastor in New York uh, named Tim Keller, he summarises some of these ideas as uh, a true friend is someone who always lets you in. They're vulnerable, they share with you, they empathise with you. They always let you in and they never let you down. We've seen that. They're loyal, uh, they're there for you, they're honest with you. That's true friendship. And that's what we should be. That's the kind of friends we want. And I think as we hear all that, uh, we react at one and the same time in two different ways. On the one hand, I think we long for these kind of friendships. I know I certainly do. In fact, I realised as I was preparing this sermon, uh, and this is not a cry for help from the pastor, kind of pity party, right? But I realised that I actually don't have that many friends. Not friends like this, anyway. I was was talking about this with my gospel community during the week, and I was saying that uh, I think part of the reason for that is because I'm quite a task-focused person. And so what I've tended to do throughout my life, at least so far, is build relationships around particular projects or tasks, missions, right? And then when those tasks or projects or missions, when they're over, uh, the relationships, as good as they were, haven't tended to develop into ongoing friendships. They haven't kind of transcended that thing that we were doing together. 
so we're still on good terms. Uh, we catch up. We'll, like every now and then, we'll see each other at a conference or something. We we'll say, yeah, it's great to see you. Will we catch up for coffee? Probably not. You know, but like, would I call them on a bad day? Probably not. Right? And so there's a part of me that, that really longs for these kind of friends. And I suspect that you're not that different. So we, we long for these friends. Uh, but also, at the same time as longing for this stuff, I'm a bit discouraged. As I've just shared, I know that if I measure myself against this standard of friendship, I'm not that good a friend. Like Gabby is a much better friend than me. She's got all sorts of relationships that have kept going for years and years. Very loyal, very committed to them. And I think some, on some level, all of us know that we fall short. But none of us are the friends that we should be or the friends that we want to be. I guess I could drive this a bit deeper. I guess, I mean, how easy do you find it to let people in? I think this is why we find friendship hard. To let people in, to be vulnerable, to be open, to be really honest about how you're going. That's really hard. I'd much rather talk about the football after church, how the weather's changed, the changes coming in, or isn't that fantastic? Like, let's keep it superficial. It's hard to let people in. It's hard to, to be someone who never lets others down. Oh, well, why is it that I never don't want to let people in? It's because I'm worried that if I share honestly, people will probably reject me, right? Because I'm not perfect and maybe people expect that. I mean, they don't, of course, but... So we're worried about rejection, right? And we find it hard uh, to not let other people down. Oh, we're, we're not honest with our advice. We're a bit fickle with our friendship. Right? Friendship is incredibly hard. To always let people in, to never let them down. Right? So, so where is it uh, that we can find any strength or power uh, to be true friends? This is my last point. Right? How, how can we possibly be true friends? Well, Tim, you heard in the kids' talk, right? It's in knowing Jesus. This is the key. Right? Tim quoted these verses just before Jesus was going to be crucified. He said to his disciples in John 15, I no longer call you servants, because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. Why? For everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. Right, what's Jesus done? He's let his disciples in. He's made stuff known to them. Everything that he's known from his father, he's heard from his father. Right? He's let his disciples in. He doesn't want them just to be his servants, but to be his friends. Right? And that's actually the kind of relationship that God wants with all of us, with you. It's what he's always wanted, right? If you read back in, in Genesis chapter 3, before Adam and Eve sinned, uh, what did God used to do in the garden? He used to come and walk and talk with Adam and Eve. Now, that, that's a picture of friendship. Of course, one day in Genesis 3 verse 8, God came to walk and talk in the garden with Adam and Eve and they had already rejected his friendship, hadn't they? They'd betrayed him. They'd listened to the serpent instead of God's word. And that's what we all do since then. We reject God, we betray him. And I don't know if you've ever experienced some sort of betrayal in a friendship, uh, whether someone's betrayed you or you've betrayed someone else, but uh, I don't, what usually happens when there's betrayal in a friendship? The person, perhaps, if they judge you, they curse you, they reject you, that's what happens. And that's why what Jesus says in John 15 is all the more amazing, isn't it? 
uh, when he says, greater love has no one than this, that he would lay down his life for one's friends. If you think about it, all those proverbs we've looked at, uh, they're really the, the descriptions of the perfect friend. If you think about those descriptions, you'll see that the perfect friend is Jesus. He's the only one who meets that standard. But it's Jesus who loves us at all times. He sticks close to us, even to the point of his own death. Perfect friend. Right? It's Jesus who, who, rather than letting us go into ruin, goes into ruin for us. Right? He's ruined on the cross. And it's Jesus who, uh, rather than inflicting wounds on us, wounds which we rightly deserve for betraying him, actually bears those wounds in our place. Right? Jesus is the perfect friend. He, he fully lets us in. Fully. I mean, how much more open can, than you, could you get than having your arms nailed wide on a cross? He fully lets us in. And he never lets us down. Right? Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, you remember this scene? Uh, Jesus' uh, so-called friends uh, falling asleep and denying him and betraying him. And Jesus doesn't back away. Jesus goes all the way to the cross for them, for us. He drinks the cup of God's wrath for all our betrayal. For us, Jesus is the perfect friend. He always lets us in and he never lets us down. And I think the more deeply you know that, you understand that, the more deeply you know Jesus like that, the more you'll be able to be a true friend to others. But this has been true in my life, in my limited experience of friendship. I've shared that, right? Mostly my own fault, right? But, but if I know that Jesus, uh, like the, the Lord, the, the creator of the universe, right? if I know that he has fully let me in, I'm his friend. He treasures me, uh, he loves me, he delights in me. If I know that, I'm nowhere near as worried about any of you rejecting me. Well, that's how it works. Much more secure, and the beauty of it is, is that I can let friends in uh, knowing uh, that it's Jesus who'll never let me down, not them. Right, so, so this is the thing. Like sometimes if you're that person who longs for friendship, uh, when a friend finally does come into your life, you're like all over them like a rash and you, will, you crush that friendship because you want them to deliver what only Jesus can deliver. Right, Jesus is the one who'll never let you down, not your friend. So you're free to love the friend for who they are but not crush them with the weight of expecting them to be Jesus. Right? The more you understand the great love of Jesus, your perfect friend, the more you'll be able to be a true friend to others, we'll be able to do that for each other, and the result of that is we'll be able to stay on the path of wisdom. We'll be able to grow in wisdom. Now let's pray. Our Father, please, uh, oh, we do confess, actually, uh, Father, that... Um, we're conscious of the ways in which we uh, reject you and betray you and we're conscious of the ways in which we're not the friends that we ought to be or should be. Uh, but we are so thankful that Jesus is the perfect friend and it's not us. Uh, that he's the one who fulfills this kind of vision of friendship in Proverbs, that he's the ultimate friend, the perfect friend. And, and yet despite being perfect, he goes into ruin for us. He gives his life for us. He sticks close to us even to the point of death. 
And so Lord, we do pray that you would help us to understand the greatness of Jesus' love as the one who would lay down his life for us, that our hearts would be more and more deeply gripped by that, uh, that we'd be uh, able uh, from that place to be able to let others in, be vulnerable, uh, not fearing being rejected, knowing that we're secure in your love, and that also we would not uh, kind of crush relationships or suffocate them uh, by expecting our friends to offer what only you can offer our Lord Jesus. Uh, Please uh, provide us with good friends uh, that we might grow in wisdom and uh, walk in ways that honour and please you. Amen.